There is one story that every person is a part of, and it goes like this. God created us out of love to be in relationship with him. But our intimacy with God was broken by sin, and we became separated from him. So God sent Jesus Christ into the world to redeem us and restore us to new life. We all belong within the big universal story of God's redeeming love. But at the same time, we each have our own individual experiences with God. Our encounters with his grace, mercy, provision, healing, these moments are as unique and unrepeatable as we are. And they are stories that are meant to be shared. You're listening to The Story, a podcast by St. Andrew the Apostle Catholic Church. In each episode, a different member of our community tells the story of a personal experience in their journey to know and follow the Lord Jesus. All right, well, I've got uh, Fra John of Our Lady of Sorrows here, all coming in from Italy. Um, Yeah, so... uh... I'm in Rome right now. It's 11 o'clock where you are, and it's 5 p.m. where I am. So, yeah, I had a I had a little bit of coffee to keep me awake. So, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a, so right. Well, what time does what time does your day start? So we wake up at 5 a.m. The bell rings at 5 a.m. We we go directly to prayer. So right now we're in the house of studies. We'd like to open up, you know, give lots of room for free time for the students, for those who are in seminary, so, so that they can study and just, you know, there's also other things we need to do, of course, you know, like laundry and all, you know, all, all those important daily <laughs> things that everybody needs to do. We have morning prayer, meditation, mass, breakfast, and then an hour, and then we, and then, we just, then class starts. You know, we, so we're going to the Antonianum. It's uh, about a 15-minute walk from here, and so that's a it's one of the it's a Franciscan university, pontifical university in Rome. So, how did you pick this particular <laughs> order to jump into? I, th- I think it was the Holy Spirit. I think it was the Lord guiding me. I didn't really know what was going on. I remember I was in uh, I was in college, and uh, I got invited to this focus conference in Dallas. It was uh, the student leadership summit. I prayed about, you know, I was, I was praying about my vocation and I went before the Blessed Sacrament. I asked the Lord to reveal to me his will about this. The pretext that I had behind like, you know, what, what the Lord wanted of me was like, well, you know, you have to be holy enough. That really wasn't quite it. The Lord spoke to me and he, he said, I'll tell you when you're ready. Be open. I had an established prayer life. I was, you know, I was doing my best to do the, the Lord's will and I was seeking it like every day. And that's what he wanted from you right then was. Yeah. When I accepted that with my whole heart for the first time, I had, I had this great peace. I remember I left that chapel and I ran into this Irish priest. He was a legionary. I just ran into him and he struck up a conversation and he asked what I was studying. And I said, I was, I was studying engineering. He's like, oh, you know, that's really interesting because I was an engineer too. He explained that he realized that God was calling him to be a priest when he realized he cared more about the man that he was working with than the machines that he was working on. And that was like sort of one of many signs that I think the Lord, that, that, that God gave me. It was shortly after that, that I met the Franciscans of the Immaculate at that conference. They encouraged me to consecrate myself to Our Lady, which is like a, a major thing for our order. Uh, the spirituality of St. Maximilian Kolbe and this con- unlimited consecration to the Immaculate. The Lord was giving me signs that he was calling me to something else, something 
something bigger. I was studying engineering and that was nice, but I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. I looked around me. It was like, there's, there's got to be something more. Are you now studying for the priesthood or are there? Yes. Are, are there just brothers that are not priests though that are in yes. the order? Yeah, of course. Well, we're Franciscans. So St. Francis himself was not a priest. He chose to remain a deacon. Even if you do remain a brother, you're still encouraged to study because it can be useful for different things in life. One of the main conflicts in the early Franciscan order was like, well, should we study or should we not, should we not study? And, uh, you know, like, well, studying, you know, it leads to knowledge. And if you know, know too many useless things, it leads to pride, but then it also increases devotion if you study the right things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Should we be like the Dominicans or not? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. No, there, there's, it's interesting because the Franciscans have been just disorganized unfortunately, for much of history, but there still remains a very rich theological tradition, which has remained relatively unknown compared to, you know, the theology and philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas. So it sort of runs parallel. Religious life isn't for everybody, but it, religious life, you know, you know poverty, chess, and Avedis. So poverty is meant to detach us from the external th things outside of us in this world. Chastity is meant to sanctify us in the sense of the things that touch us like corporally but then okay. obedience touches the very innermost like the inner center of the person obedience is actually most difficult of the three vows and people people are often very surprised by that and i can talk about that a little bit later with poverty there's two kinds there's two kinds of poverty there's external poverty and internal poverty external poverty is you just you just don't have the things internal poverty is the recognition that even the things that we're using don't really belong to us. That makes poverty much more difficult because you don't really have certain things, but you desire them internally. You might be, you know, envious. I tend to look at the example, the recent example of St. Maximilian Kolbe. He founded the city of the Immaculate and there was just this city of 800 friars living together. He, he also was very, very radical. I mean, he didn't even use a bedsheet. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was very penitential. So his whole life led up to what? Most yeah, people think of him like, as Auschwitz. An episode there of him offering his life for Francis Gajnicek in his place. That was just the culmination of a lot of other renunciations and right. holiness. Right, right. The church says like, martyrdom is the true proof of true charity that somebody has. Maximilian is a martyr of charity. You know, he gave his life for another human being. You were saying obedience is yes. the most difficult of the evangelical councils. It is, and you wouldn't think so. There's a lot of confusion in the church going on today around Pope Francis, right? There's a lot of people who think like, oh, the Pope's a heretic. Like he doesn't talk about like this thing, you know, we, we, we Catholics, we need a foundation. We need, you know, like, uh, he's the Pope. Humility requires having a supernatural vision, understanding that God is in charge in all situations in our life. Humility means submission and holy obedience. St. Francis founded his order in a, in a very turbulent time in the church. Cardinals, bishops, and priests were very worldly, were not giving very edifying examples. He still wrote in his rule that the friars should have a cardinal protector of the order at all times. What does that mean? It's, there's a cardinal that is in charge of the order that corrects the order You know when, it, when, it's, go when it's going off track. And that demonstrates St. Francis's humility and trust in divine providence. In one way, I'm thinking right. God became man, but that God's revealing himself and his will through, ultimately through Jesus, but that didn't stop Jesus establishing a church led by 
people. Very, very often it's, it's been repeated. St. Padre Pio says this as well. He says, like, look, please, like, be obedient. Be obedient to the church in all cases except for sin. Like, if you had a superior told you to sin, like, don't do that. And, and everything else, like, be, be obedient. And trust that your generosity with God will be useful. Like, God can use that for something. Even if, like, your superior makes a mistake, you're not making, making a mistake in following him. And I've had experiences with this. Like, I'll think I'll be like really inspired or this thing seems like a really great idea. But I have to recognize that there are a lot of factors I can't consider. My vision is limited, but God's vision is unlimited. In philosophy, we learn our faith is not founded upon reason alone, but it's not unreasonable. It's not blind. It's like if my grandmother comes up to me and I'm like, and I'm like a kid, right? My grandma's like, hey, those mushrooms over there are poisonous. Don't eat them. Like, I've never tried these mushrooms. I don't know with complete reason, but I believe her because I trust my grandmother. I trust that she's a good person. Trust that her knowledge is sufficient. It's the same thing with Jesus Christ and his church. This revelation has been passed down onto us. We believe that it comes from a reliable source. We believe that the one who transmits it to us is trustworthy. I operate off that or tell people that are becoming Catholic through the RCIA process, something very similar. Ultimately, you desire to be, enter the church has to be in trusting Jesus. That's the only reason to desire and to, to trust and be part of the church is that, that chain of, of trustworthiness that is, stems to God. Now that I live with lots of different cultures, I realize that in Americans, we have this tendency to have this pragmatic outlook where like, we have a goal and then we try to think of the best possible way to reach that goal. And we're like, you know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to this person. I know this guy. I, I know, like, I have these means. I'm going to like, I mean, I have this whole project and I'm planning it out. But if you're not doing the will of God, ultimately it's not going to do very much good. It might have the appearance of good. It might be a lesser good than what it could be. One of the blessings of holy obedience is that I don't have to have that anxiety about like whether or not like I'm supposed to be doing this or that. Like, I know, I know, like, you know, I come home from school, I'm supposed to study or I'm supposed to go eat lunch with the brothers. I'm supposed to go pray. And I'm at peace. That brings great peace and great order uh, into my life. And at the same time, there, there's, there's also a little bit of chaos because things inevitably happen with life. What's the next few years look like for you? And ultimately, part of the Friars of the Immaculata, where could you go? What mission would you be sent out on? Well, I mean, that's not, that's not really up for me to decide in the end. But but what, what are the options? What are other guys, you know, what are other right. I mean, people I, doing? I, well, I mean, I would go on to study theology, you know, eventually I would, I, there would be a, a year of pastoral work between philosophy and theology. So I would be sent to a house somewhere. It probably would be either in Italy or the United States, but I could be sent somewhere else theoretically. And that would be to give me some on-hand experience. You're not a diocesan priest. Right. I guess that kind of goes back to a little bit of explanation of what religious life is like. So, you know, in the convent, you'll usually have... Like in each convent, you'll usually have at least like a cook and a sacristan and maybe like a sacramental minister, like, you know, a superior, you know, those kinds of things. What's the closest group of your order to, to us? Are there any in the Michigan or the Great no, Lakes no, area? No, no, no. So we have, we, have four, we have four in the United States. Okay. So we have four houses. There's one in Bloomington, Indiana. One in, the town is called Maine. And then it's in the state of New York. Then we have New Bedford, Massachusetts, and Griswold, Connecticut. What are the uh, the guys down in Bloomington, Indiana? What are they focused on? 
Well, they do a lot of apostolate work. So we have our YouTube channel. The YouTube channel name is Franciscan Friars. You can go look that up. Our priests post their homilies on there. There's other things. We have Mark Miravale. He has a show called Mary Now or Mary Live. Our charism is very Marian. A lot of things about Our Lady. So there's kind of a, a teaching aspect through that apostolate of, with YouTube. Yes, right? yes, yes. There's, a, there's an effort to evangelize as well. Are they so, involved with the, the university? Indiana University down there? No, no. It, actually, there's in the same diocese, actually right on campus, there are the Dominicans that okay. take care of the, the college students. We have we have gone down gone down there every once in a while and distributed miraculous medals and tried to talk to people, you know, about the faith. Yeah. So the, the convent in, in Bloomington is like right outside the city. So Frajan, we can see your uh, your yeah. gray there. What's the rest of your your habit consist of that identifies you and your order? Well, we wear the, uh, the miraculous medal, and that symbolizes our devotion to Our Lady. Uh, you know, like our, our order, we, we take our inspiration from St. Maximilian, who took Our Lady as his inspiration for his life, because Our Lady, Our Lady is the mediatrix of all graces. Editor's note here, you know, mediatrix yeah. is just the feminine form of mediator. Mediator, right, right, right. right. So yeah, just, yeah. just for those that don't, that don't know, what, you know, what's that weird title? So any, any home visits scheduled for you? At the moment, no. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the Lord has in mind. I, I would love to come home. I would love to go see you guys at St. Andrews. I would love to come say hi and yeah, give a talk at the parish. That would, that would, that would be great. Yeah. So we, you know, in, in my mind, typically, uh, we associate convent with women religious and monastery with male religious that that ha that must be like an Anglo-Saxon like adaptation of the word. So I'm saying I'm saying the word convent because the Italian word for friary is also is convent. Like they don't have a word for friary; they just say convento. And what about monastery? Is there is that Mon a monastery would be more for monks? Okay. So the difference between Franciscans and like monks is that monks comes from the the word monos, the Greek word the Greek word monos, which means one. So they're focused on one thing. So the difference between Franciscans and like monks is that monks comes from the, the Greek word monos, which means one. So they're focused on one thing, which is God alone. Franciscans and other religious are focused on God and souls. We have works of the apostolate as well, which doesn't exclude going to God. Actually, like God takes the first place, you know, like you can't give what you don't have. So we always have to keep in mind, like, okay, why am I here? I'm here to serve the Lord. So monks are typically in, enclosed, you know, they're not out in the world. On right. That's the general idea. But I mean, there are preaching monks and there are even preaching monks who are canonized saints. Like, like uh, there was uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, for yeah. example. He almost was never in his monastery. And I think it was, I don't want to get me wrong, I think it was like the Holy Father who had him doing this, like preaching during the, the Crusades. And so yeah, he always wanted to be in the monastery, but he wasn't. Right. And, uh, right. He's a saint. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is the ideal to, for a monk to be in the monastery. Okay. And then, of course, there, there are varying degrees of enclosure. I mean, on the one extreme, there's the Carthusians who live in ab almost absolute silence. Founded by St. Bruno, of course. Of course. I got to throw that in there. Uh, right, right, right. 
but then there's also Saint Benedict who you know went around and founded different monasteries. So the, the Benedictines, you know. Okay. And then we have the Franciscans who we started as this lay movement ordered towards like God and souls. There was a moment when Saint Francis was discerning whether or not he should preach or if he should remain in prayer. And he wasn't sure. And he sent a message to St. Clair and St. Clair responded, the Lord has responded to me. I prayed about it. The Lord has responded that he wishes you to go preach. So that's what he did. And he did it with all his heart. Yeah. Which is the phrase, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it, that people attribute to St. Francis of preach the gospel at all times uh, and the words if necessary. Yeah, I mean, like, that's nice. That's a nice and, idea. And, and often it's a, whether or not it actually comes from St. Francis or not. Um, but the, not example not. Of his, the example of his life is like, it was necessary to use words all the time. Like, yes, there was the witness of his life, but he was preaching all the time. He, he did, uh, but like, after he was done preaching, he wanted to have, avoid vainglory in his preaching. So after he was done preaching, he would retire and into solitude and he would pray and because he wanted did not want to fall into vain glory he writes in his rules that the friars should be brief in their preaching because our lord on this earth like spoke briefly i did hear at one point that like it has been formally defined that brief means three hours (laughs) 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 under three hours (laughs) but yeah yeah again as a but, American, American but like, sensibility versus like, I think that was a long time ago, you know. Right. So this is the Italian gesture for a long time ago. But yeah. Okay. But yeah. Well, our Father John here is people have gotten had to get used to a little bit longer homilies from him, but nowhere uh, approaching nowhere uh, approaching the, the brief three hour mark. <laughs> Good. He's he's within the limits. He's within the limits. Uh, <laughs> It's interesting is like the, the the African guys will come here and they're like, why are your homilies so short? Like our people go on for like a really long time. <laughs> it's like in Africa, like they have, they have longer homilies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, I, in certain parts of Africa, it's, they've you know, walked or, you know, made a huge effort to get to mass oh as well, goodness. right? Oh my goodness. Like the priests in Africa, like God bless them. Like they perform great sacrifices, you know, to, to do what they do. They have to travel long distance. They have like one big parish. Then they have like, like they have, they have to serve like three big parishes, which are like maybe an hour apart or something each. You know, yeah. or, you know just go go and say mass, and, just, and they just do it. So, yeah. yeah. And you think about like having getting a car in Africa is not always the easiest thing to do either. Anyway, right? And like the road, and they, anyway, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? Well. Sometimes we complain about the lack of priests that we have, you know, in the United States here yeah. or in the diocese, but it's nothing compared to the shortage that there is in most of the rest of the world. Well, the United are, States is super religious, like in compared to like Italy, like yeah, or like yes. the number of priests versus number of lay Catholics in the United States. The ratio is really small compared to yeah. You know, and Africa. It's like, don't get me wrong; it's it's hard, you know, and, you know like. I'm very proud of like being from America and, and the American the way that you know American Catholics, with all of the difficulties in the modern ch- in the church in our day, it's like everybody's trying their best. 
people contribute, people you know, put their best foot forward. In America, like people get involved. It's not always always the same. In Italy, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. It depends. I guess it depends on your parish as well. And, right. But, and what about another? You've got guys there from Africa and the Philippines, and what do they say um, their parishes are like? Oh goodness! In Africa, it's, they're very big. There's a lot of lot people who come. They give they give catechesis to the children. They have schools in the Philippines. I've heard it's very easy to get a lot a large group of people just organized and doing one thing. They're very enthusiastic. I guess I can't speak from firsthand experience, but um, yeah, that's that's about as much as I know about the. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, and I'm yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not like hiding stuff. I just like, I just. Um, I don't, really, yeah. I don't really know a lot. Like, like we don't really talk about parish life together, you know. It's like, but um, yeah. I remember when I got to go to Laos with a group of high uh, college students for three weeks, and you, oh, you went there. Me. You went to Nigeria. No, no. Laos. I was, I was, Laos. Laos. Where is that? Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. Okay. Next to Vietnam, Thailand. Okay. This was when I lived in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but the we, in the capital, we were able to get to mass. I was able to, and the, the priest threw a little bit of English into his homily. But the one thing I remember was saying, the week before, they'd gone to some village and you know, baptized 5,000 people or something like that. Whoa. It was like, we are a missionary yeah. church. you know. And I think it was yeah. tying it into the, the Acts of the Apostles or something of going out and these huge numbers of people or Paul going into areas where there were no in establishing the church. And like they're in that situation now. Uh, yeah. But that, you know, at the same time, he was aware that some people might be entering the church because the church gives them rice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, and yeah. I mean, the Lord knows their heart. You know, the, yeah. the important thing is that they know their faith. And, you know, you do the best that you can do, even in the church in Rome, like in the beginning, it was like when Rome converted to Christianity, it was like it became the state state religion and it was very, very comfortable and convenient to be Christian, much more than being pagan. So like, it's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But the Lord uses that as a stepping stone towards greater things. I mean, like. I definitely would not look down on that. No. no. Yeah. It's just um, the reality that they have to deal with, but it's a great starting great starting point. So Yeah. Do you mind if I tell you a little bit about our institute and our charism? No, please do. Okay, sure. So our institute was founded um, in the late nineteen hundreds as it's sort of an offshoot uh, from the conventuals. It's sort of like the domain question that that people were asking was like, well, what, what do we do with like St. Maximilian Colby? Because he was this really big inspiration for the, some of the friars in, in the church at the time. He, you know, he, he had this huge Marian devotion. He, you know, you know, he propagated the faith using the mass media through the works of the apostolate. He had this magazine called The Night of the Immaculate. Well, he had he had many different publications. Actually, he had he, he had one for kids. He had one for anyway. So it's like this whole thing. Anyway, our founder had this inspiration to live this 
live a more radical form of the Franciscan life, according to this inspiration that he took from St. Maximilian Kolbe. And so, you know, he started living a little, little bit more radical, more radical form of poverty together with some other brothers. And I think year 80 or 90, we were erected by St. John Paul II as a, an institute of pontifical right. So that means like on the same level as the conventuals and the Capuchin Franciscans. So our charism is Franciscan and Marian. And so we take a fourth vow to Our Lady of Unlimited Consecration. So we can be sent to the missions, agentes. So like your superior, we get a letter of obedience. The superior says, okay, go to, go to this mission, we go. So there's this radical devotion to Our Lady. Yeah, we wear the miraculous medal. So as a symbol of our, our Marian devotion, our color, our habit is blue in honor of her. It's showing up in gray on my screen, but it's a blue. Well, yeah, actually, it's interesting that you say that because... It's supposed to be like sort of like gray-blue, like gray okay. sort of like in reference to that passage in Genesis where God, the Adam, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. You know, like, okay. you know, the Franciscan order is also called the order of penance. So yeah, like that symbol of minority and Marianity is, is yeah. we have this gray-blue color. Okay. No, it's not, it's not flashy. It's very simple. No. Neutral well, color. I guess. Yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah. I guess it depends on your lighting. I would say this is more of a lighter blue. What we're using in Italy, but yeah, uh, yeah we actually have different habits based on different countries. Because like in Africa, it's really really hot. The friars there will have a, a habit that's a little bit lighter, just because otherwise you would be kind of dying. Yeah. <laughs> just curiosity here. What you have to get used to wearing a habit. Going upstairs. <laughs> I can tell you how many times I've tripped going upstairs. And when you're playing basketball, you can't pass the ball between your legs. And people stare at you a lot. Okay. But when people stare at me, it's also a reminder for me that I'm here for the Lord. I have to be a good example. I have to, you know. Yeah. 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 In some way, you know, I have the experience of, you know, seeing my kids take up my faults or my virtues. And that's a, a reminder to me, you have people staring at you. So <laughs> <laughs> I get that too, but it's just my kids. I told, I told, you, I told you about that guy in Naples who was like, father, father. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. But it is nice. Like people like come up to me and be like, would you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. Like, like people will ask me, like, can I have money? And like, I don't have money. <laughs> and then they don't believe me. But Yeah. You sound like Peter in the book of Acts. You know, yeah. man on the steps asking for for money and Peter hey, said yeah. you know I don't have that but in the name of Jesus Christ get up and walk right so there's still are you guys you know YouTube then you're saying earlier you know Maximilian Colby had radio stations and uh, yeah we have, we have newspapers and things so your order is still embracing that that spirit that's, of the apostolate yeah spirit of the apostolate through media yeah so Obviously, any good apostolate starts with the interior life and one's relationship with God. You know, we believe that it's important to, first of all, cultivate a good relationship with, with our Lord. But then, yes, yeah, um, just the big picture of it would be like, yeah, we preach Our Lady, we, we talk about the spiritual life, we talk on YouTube, we try to spread the faith, and we do the best we can. 
uh, with the means that we have using technology. And so, yeah, we have a YouTube channel. We have a website called airmaria.com. And we have a magazine that we publish every two months. It's called Missio, Missio Immaculate. It's kind of interesting. There's little articles in there. and Is it in English? Yes, it's actually in English. It's an American magazine. So, okay. Yeah. And we were publishing books a while back. So we have, but uh, during the commissioning, that, that sort of slowed down. Hopefully that will pick up, pick back up again soon. Yeah. Things get back and rolling. So do you have a presence in Japan? Because I know Maximilian Kolbe did. No, unfortunately, no. We do have a priest who leads pilgrimages to Japan, though. So okay. he go, he'll take people to go visit the sites where St. Maximilian lived in Japan. St. Maximilian had a very long and arduous journey to Japan. He had to pass, he passed through France, through China. He passed, through, I think, through the Philippines as well. He had to sleep on the boat. When he woke up in the morning, when he was on the boat, he had snow on top of his bed sheets. Wow. He lived in very difficult conditions. And he said to the friars who came with him, he said, be prepared. Be prepared for difficult conditions. Whoever wants to come with me. As the church rightfully says, he had a very, this heroic virtue to be able to do this zeal for souls in mind. He had this great love great ardor for his fellow man, not just materially, but first of all, spiritually. He wanted to save souls. So he spent lots of his time learning. He learned the Japanese language. He learned to write and speak. Wow. Yeah. And he learned the Japanese culture. And he eventually baptized a few people in Japan, thanks be to God. And I think part of it was his the good example that he gave of poverty and... Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's willing to live yeah. like them. Um, right. Sorry. Yeah. Father Francis Mossholder, who was pastor here. I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. I, uh, I heard of him. I knew him. He was yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was in Japan, you know, for ten years, you know, in the nineties probably. But said he never baptized a single Japanese person. Really? Wow. The whole time he was there. Wow. And you know, just this cultural reticence to baptism of kind of That's not wanting to abandon or offend you know their parents or you know their kind of ancestral heritage and i think is some of it well, that's that's very interesting wow I wonder why that is so yeah well thanks so much well, for spending this time this is just so fun to to catch up a little bit and see you as a adult yeah i, I first met bad. you when you were eighth grade ninth grade 13 14 15 or something like that um yeah, yeah, yeah. as a very earnest and very yeah you know young man seeking to love the love the lord and learn a lot i don't think i was a very good kid i don't think i but uh i think thanks be to god that he's led me to where i am right now you know? <laughs> yeah um, yeah it's no no I'm, I'm very very grateful for my vocation to the religious life um and uh it's a huge grace it's a huge blessing and uh yeah like I, I would like to say like if anybody is discerning their vocation like to not be afraid to listen to what the lord has to say to their heart you know to like always keep in good contact with the lord pray the rosary and 
there are also practical steps that one can take, you know, having a spiritual director talking with the parish priest about it. And, you know, even if you don't think you have a vocation, it might also be good just to take a step of discernment so that you can have that piece about like you, like, at least, you know, you've done the discernment. You said you check the box off. You're like, you know, okay, the Lord isn't calling me to this right. because maybe ultimately like we're going to be happy where the Lord wants us to be. We're going to be happy doing his will, not what our will is. And so, as I was saying before, like with obedience, like our vision is very limited, but God's vision is unlimited. He has, you know, he has a destination planned out for us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a retreat right now with my wife. It's about how poverty, chastity, and obedience are played out in marriage and family life. You know, those same exactly. evangelical councils were called to live too in a, in a mm-hmm. different way. But one thing I learned was obedience, the root of obedience is about listening or hearing uh, the other yeah. and hearing the desire of the other or and then responding out of love to meet the need or desire of the other. So just kind of putting together obedience and vocation here. You know, vocation, we, we, God's got a call for all of us, religious vocation or vocation to marriage, but it, it's listening, listening for that call that we might be obedient. Yeah. If um, somebody wanted to get more familiar with the consecration to Jesus through Mary uh, and kind of that aspect of Catholic spirituality, would you recommend St. Louis de Montfort or 33 Days of the Morning Glory? Kind of, you know, that pulls together John Paul II, Maximilian Colby, John, Mother Teresa, right. and Louis de Montfort, or is there some other? Uh, I've read both. I've read both. And what I would recommend is a combination of the two. I think 33 Days to Morning Glory is an excellent sort of like easy to like step-by-step guide. Whereas St. Louis de Montfort really gives a lot of good information that one can meditate on about consecration to Our Lady, about devotion to her, about loving her as Jesus did himself in imitation of our Lord. I have a hard time, like, how would I do, like, how would I split up the chapters of, like, the 33 days to morning glory or of the, the true devotion of St. Louis de Montfort? It's, like, it's, like, it's kind of hard to do. So, like, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend doing 33 days and then using the true devotion as kind of a supplement. Because, okay. because it, it is very, very beautiful. He's very, very ardent. Yeah. So I remember Joanne and I, this is probably 10 years ago, did... 33 days to morning glory like just wanting to learn more about what this is you know consecration about not set on making the consecrating ourselves at the beginning of it you know but like yeah, really? we'll, yeah. we'll get to there but at the end we'll, we'll have you know learn more and make the decision oh, yeah. later and, right, right. and what it came down to me was you know why consecrate ourselves to Mar- jesus through mary and the, the simple answer that that I came up with was because Jesus did like Jesus placed right, right, himself right, right, right. in her care. Right. Uh, and like, okay, that was simple and clear enough for me. Um, exactly. Why not just straight to Jesus? Well, because he put himself in her care. Exactly. Right. Right. And so it's like, why do we as Franciscans of the Immaculate like, consecrate ourselves to our lady? It's like, well, our lady is the mediatrix of all graces. What does that mean? Like our Lord, did not come to us except 
through her. You know, he could have like descended from heaven and been like, here I am, like here to save you. And all like, that would have been a lot easier and a lot more convenient for a lot of people, but he chose to go through Our Lady. And he chose to leave the world to Our Lady as well. He chose to leave only with her consent because she was at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. She could have said at any time, please don't do this. And he would have obeyed. But, Interesting. I've never thought of that before. Any final stories you want to share? Something you wanted to say to the community of St. Andrew? Well, I want to say thanks, first of all, for, for, the pray- for the prayers that anyone has offered up for me, even though we don't talk, you know, we're always united in um, communion with, with Christ and with Our Lady. It's really, it's a really interesting experience. Um, when you, when you leave the country and you get, just get to experience the rest of the world, I want, I want to recount a kind of a funny story. I was, I was in Naples. I was near Naples with my family. So when my family came and visited me here in Italy and we, we went down to Naples because so I, you know, I speak Italian, right? And so like this guy says, to, like this guy sees me and he says to me in Italian, he says, father, father. And he points at his fellow coworker. He says, father, you see that man over there? He's an atheist. And I go, I go, what? Uh, it's like, 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 why is this guy like freaking out? Like, why is he? It's like, father, like, like, do something. This is, this is, I, was like, I was like, so I like kind of freaked out, and I was like, okay, 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 okay. It's, okay it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like, so he's he's probably of like goodwill. We just have to be patient. We got to pray for him. Okay, it's gonna it's gonna be okay. And he's like, he's like, no, no, no. He doesn't believe in anything. He doesn't want to know anything. I was like, okay, okay, it's okay though. But uh, so like, I come home. So I come like, you know, my family goes back to America. I come home. And I, I run, I run that by my my superior. I was like, yeah, like there's this guy who's like completely nuts. It he's in Naples, and he was like, oh, he was he was messing with you. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from Naples. Like, yeah, look, people do that all the time. I was like, you're <laughs> 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 just like, it's just like this. And he's he still does that. Like my my superior will do that stuff. Like he'll. Just <laughs> <laughs> like I, can't, I still can't tell when he's joking or not like he'll just say, say stuff like anyway, anyway yeah I do have to wrap this up because the dogs are showing I have to get the prayer okay I have to do the will of God I have to, I have to fulfill my holy obligation of obedience <laughs> alright you so, close us in prayer real quick okay yeah, yeah. Lord we thank you for this time we thank you for this conversation Thank you for this call to, to be placed into care as your sons and daughters of Christ. And um, ask that you, we ask that you would inspire us to keep your holy will in all that we do in our lives. Yes, us through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 the grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among men, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, God bless you. It was great talking. Rajan, thanks so much. Have a good one. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Story. More episodes are available at thestory.podbean.com. That's thestory.podbean.com. If you have a story from your personal faith journey that you would like to share with others through this podcast or by written means, please let us know by going to standrewceline.org slash witness.